What does it mean to bear the cross? To bear the cross means that we do right. We fulfill God's commandments. We glorify God before men by our actions and conversations. We must deny, control, and conquer ourselves for the glory of the Lord. As was read in Hebrews, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And it goes on to say that he endured the cross. And he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He died on the cross to save us from our sins and to give us the hope of a home in heaven. But also, Jesus knew that if he was able to endure and press on for some time, that he would be able to have that heavenly home. He endured the cross. He went through the pain, the agony that went with it. He did that for us. He despised the shame. Dying on the cross was a cruel death. He went through the mockery, the beatings, the humiliation, all that so that we can have a home in heaven. And after Jesus had endured the cross, it says that he is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. So as Christians, what will happen if we choose to bear the cross for Christ? What's in it for us? What, and how do we bear it? Paul, in Second uh, Timothy, writes, in Second Timothy, the third chapter, in verse 12, it says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. This verse is very straightforward. If we choose to live a godly life and live for the Lord, it's not going to be easy. We will have persecutions. The persecutions that we face today and the ones Paul faced are completely different. We don't have to worry about imprisonment, beating, stoning, or even murder for the sake of the gospel. But yet we do suffer. We have social things. We have to sacrifice many things. We get made fun of. But all this is for the sake of the cross. But yet, our sufferings are not in vain. Just before this, in verse 11, Paul writes of some of his persecutions. And in the last half of the verse it says, What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. He was not alone in his persecutions. The Lord was there with him every time to make sure that he was able to press on continue to spread the gospel. He goes on further in 2 Corinthians to talk about more persecutions that he endured. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, he wrote, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken, Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. It says that we have a treasure, an earthen vessel. We need to use our bodies for the Lord. We need to glorify Him and live for Him. And when others see us, they need to see Jesus. And in verses 8 and 9, it Paul goes on to describe some of the hardships and persecutions he went through. But every single one he lists, he was never overtaken. He was always there. He was hard-pressed. He was never crushed. 
He was perplexed, but he was never in despair. He was persecuted, but not forsaken. He was beat down, but yet he was never destroyed. He was always caring about in his body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Paul lived for the Lord. People, when they saw Paul, they were able to see Jesus living in him by his actions. And that's how we need to be. Whenever we see someone, we see, oh, that's so-and-so. But as Christians, when people see us, they need to be, that's so-and-so. He's different. He's a Christian. The Lord is truly living in him, and he is truly living for the Lord. But yet... Even though we don't have to endure a physical cross, Jesus did. In Philippians, the second chapter, it says in the eighth verse, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus left the perfect home in heaven. He left his home to come to the earth full of sin temptation, and wickedness. He did it to prepare the way. He left the home in heaven and he humbled himself. He came down to live a perfect life. And he became obedient. Obedient to the point of death. He was willing to be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf so that we can have forgiveness of our sins and someday be saved. So, as Christians, how do we bear the cross? In Matthew chapter 16, it tells us that in the 24th verse, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If we want and have the desire to serve the Lord, we must deny ourselves. We have to put our wants and our interest second to that of the Lord. We need to seek his will, his wisdom, his ways and follow those. Then we have to take up his cross. We have to put Christ on in the body. We have to live for him where others see him living in us. Then we are to follow him. He is the perfect example. He went through temptations just like we do, but yet he was able to overcome. And we need to follow that example so that we someday can have a home in heaven. But after we've endured the cross, lived the Christian life, our work will not be in vain. It says that uh, in Revelation, be faithful until death and you will receive the crown of life. One day at the end of our journey, if we remain faithful, we will have a home in heaven. Picture this. You are standing at the bottom of a steep mountain. And at the top of the mountain, there is a crown, the heavenly homecoming. And you look, and about halfway up the mountain, there is a man. And this man has a cross on his back. And he is trying to get to the top, to the top of the mountain, to get his crown. And you can tell that he is weak. He's stumbling. He's almost fell. He's considering putting the cross down. The weight of the cross is just too much. But then, he glances up, and at the top of the mountain, he sees that crown, that hope. And that gives him the strength he needs to finish his journey. There are times in the Christian life when we will not be our, at our strongest. 
There'll be times when we are weak and struggling. And it is at those times when we can't bear the cross that the cross will bear us. My dad's always taught me since I was a little boy that there's three things in making a great sermon. You have to have a powerful opening, a powerful closing, and the two should be as close together as possible. And I'm going to try and do that tonight. I promise. Okay. Good evening. My name is Clay Batts, and tonight I want to speak to you on the topic of humility and what it means to be humble. So first of all, let's start out by um, seeing what humble means. If you look in any dictionary, the word humble is going to say something along the lines of putting others before yourself or putting things that you like, you know, put it down and put others up to uplift one another. And in James 4, chapter 10, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And God is here all the time. And so we need to look uh, for opportunities to humble ourselves before one another all the time. There was once, uh, you know, this really great basketball player, and he was going on a field trip with these special needs children. And at this field trip, they were playing a game of basketball. And you know, this, this player, he could have scored every single point possible. Every time he went down the court, he could have scored every single time. And they could have won the game. But this game was different. In this game, he passed the ball to the uh, special needs children and let them have a part of the game. He passed it to them. They got to score. They had joy in the game. And that's a good example of being humble. This guy put, put these special needs children before himself. And you know, this is just like our church. Within our church, we need to look for opportunities to humble ourselves before each other. We need to respect each other, and we need to lift one another up and encourage them to get to heaven. We have so many examples that we can use for being humble, but we only have one perfect example, and that's of Jesus Christ. And if you would be turning to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, uh, this is what Ryan read for our scripture. And we'll go ahead and read it again and take it into context and just understand what it's talking about on being humble. In verse 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. When we look at this, we see in verse 3 and 4, in 3 it says, we should do nothing uh, through selfish ambition or conceit, but we need to have the lowliness of mind and let each other esteem others better than himself. That doesn't mean we just need to esteem each other. That it's saying we need to esteem each other better than ourselves. That's really strong. 
In verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Just like I was saying, within our church, you know, we need to look for those opportunities for others. We need to look for the interests of others, even before ourselves. And that's the point of being humble, putting others before ourselves. And in verse 8, And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was with his father in the beginning, and he came down to this earth and as a bondservant in the likeness of men, and he put himself before us, and he humbled himself before us, and he died on the cross for us so that we can have a forgiveness of our sins and just have a chance of getting to heaven. And that's a perfect example of being humble, him coming down in the likeness of men as a bondservant. And dying on the cross for us so that we can have a chance to go to heaven. We have to realize that God is so much greater than any of us. We can never be as great as God. We never will be. God is almighty. God is great. And we need to fear him. Not necessarily be scared of him or afraid of him. But we need to fear him in the way of his his power. We need to respect his power because it is so much greater than what we could ever have. We need to respect that and never get on, try ne- like never get on the same page with God because we can't. He is almighty. Once we're willing to accept that we need to put others before ourselves in humility uh, and that God is greater than us, we can fully trust in God. If you would be turning with me to Jan- Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And in this uh, account in Daniel where... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to be put into the fiery furnace. They have such great faith that God is going to deliver them from this fiery furnace. And they tell Nebuchadnezzar that they're not going to serve uh, his gods or bow down to this gold image which had been set up. And during the fiery furnace, they have been thrown in. And the fiery furnace is heated seven times to what it usually is. But God delivers them from that fiery furnace. And that's a story of great faith right there. And we need to be like that example. We need to have that great faith. We need to let God be in control and let a, instead of us being in control. Because when we come in control, we can have a sense of pride. And pride is sinful. Pride leads to destruction. And pride is bad. We need to let God be in control and not us. Now if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they, nev- for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles speak, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We do not need to worry about tomorrow. For one thing, we're not even considered tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed five seconds from now. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. Only the Father alone knows. And in this passage, passage, there's an example of the birds of the air uh, in verse 26. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then in 32, uh, another reason why we shouldn't worry about things. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We don't need to be worrying about these things because God knows what we need. Just like I said a few minutes ago, we don't need to be in control. God needs to be in control of our lives. And we don't need to be worrying about things because he knows what we need. It's it's good to be thankful for God. It's, It's good to be prayerful to God. But we need to be prayerful and thankful to God all the time. All the time. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, pray without ceasing. And pray without ceasing, that means all the time. That doesn't necessarily mean 24-7. But what it's saying is that we need to be, whenever we think about it, you know, whenever we think about praying, we need to pray. And we need to think about God and, you know, His almighty power. And it's, it's just so good to be thankful, but we need to be thankful all the time. Tonight we've talked about, you know, being humble and and what it means to be humble. And the different examples and the one perfect example of being humble. We've talked about how we need to understand that God is greater than us. And that we don't need to be put on the same level as Him. Because His authority and His power is so much higher than ours. And He is the Almighty God. We don't need to be worrying about anything because God, God is in control. And He knows what we need. Tonight, maybe you've been baptized and you've been, you haven't been putting people before yourself. You haven't been humbling yourself like you should. Maybe you've had a sense of pride in your lives and you feel like you're taking control and not letting God be in the driver's seat of your life. Or maybe you haven't been baptized and you'd like to put on Christ uh, in baptism and become a child of God tonight. If there's anything that we can do for you tonight... Uh, someone will be here to help you. And if there's anything we can do, please come as we stand and as we sing.